Father, thank you so much for being our God. Thank you for the way that you've blessed us to bring us here to this place. Lord, a place where we can worship you and where we can be um, a source of influence, a beacon of light, um, a hand that uh, can reach people that, uh, that need you. Uh, Lord, thank you for the way that you're working in our hearts and in the life of our church. Um, Father, we pray that you would continue to make us a blessing in the city. Uh, Lord, we pray um, as Stand Down comes up that, uh, that our folks would, would join in with that and participate uh, to be able to meet the needs of homeless veterans in the city. Um, we also thank you for um, just for the, the way that we get to meet during the week for our community groups, these places where encouragement and support happen. Um, continue to help our groups to grow um, so that, Lord, so that we can help each other to meet you. We can help each other walk with you. God, it's to that end now that we look to your word. We want so much, God, for your kingdom to come into our lives. And we pray that as we spend time in your word, that you would help us to be able to do that. Open our hearts, open our minds. Help us to see not just words on a page, but help us to meet you, the creator and the redeemer, the restorer and the healer of all things. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, turn in them to Matthew chapter 6. This, if you don't have your Bible, Scripture's printed in the bulletin on page 6. There's a place to take notes on page 7. We're going to be looking at Matthew 6. This is the next part of the Lord's Prayer. So we're going to start in verse 9, but uh, we're going to focus in the sermon on verse 10. Friends, listen, this is God's word. Jesus says, pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is God's word. It's interesting, I think if you pay close attention um, our lives are actually shaped by our prayers. Okay? Whether we pray or not has a dramatic influence on who we are and who we will become. How we pray, what we pray for, also has a dramatic impact on who we are and, more importantly, who we will become. <clears throat> Jesus is mentoring his followers in the Sermon on the Mount. That's what we find ourselves in. In these three chapters, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, Jesus is mentoring his followers, and so it makes sense that he would teach them how to pray. Okay, it would make sense. And his prayers, his prayers shape us. Again, they have a huge impact on who we are and who we are becoming. And Jesus is teaching them in this prayer how to think about themselves, how to think about the world, how to think about their purpose in life. And this is what we've been looking at. Okay, and so we can see that uh, what we've seen so far is our Father in Heaven. This teaches His followers their identity. 
So when you pray our Father in heaven, you're rehearsing your identity, that you are God's child. And we saw a couple weeks ago, hallowed be your name. This is your purpose. In relationship to God, you are his worshiper. And what we're going to see today is your mission. When we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done, you are rehearsing. Jesus is teaching you about your mission in life. So we go from identity to purpose to mission. And in this, you become his ambassador. His ambassador. That's what we're going to see today. In this phrase, when you pray it, every time you pray it, as you understand it better and better and better, simply put, what we're asking is, God, more of you here. That's what this phrase is about. We're saying, God, more of you here. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so we're going to look at just a couple of things. First, we're going to look at your kingdom. What does Jesus mean here when he says your kingdom? Right? We don't have kingdoms anymore today. We have democracies. We have socialist republics. We have dictatorships in some places, but not kingdoms. I mean, maybe in a couple places in the world, but not, not here. We have a democracy here. Right? We have a president, not a king. Well, in Jesus' day, every culture was a kingdom. Okay? And so, in, and so Jesus is saying here in this prayer, he's saying that God has a kingdom. Right? God has a kingdom. This is a realm. Right? A kingdom is a realm. A realm where God rules. And so God's kingdom has a king. It has a people. It has a land and it has a law. So you want to ask yourself, like, well, where is God's kingdom? How do we know where God's kingdom is? Well, the rest of the verse explains this. Right? Jesus says, um, your kingdom come, your will be done. Right? And so it's one real simple way to define God's kingdom is everywhere or wherever God's will is done. That's God's kingdom. So anywhere God's will is done, you see evidence of God's kingdom. Right? Because when God's ways are followed, when God's laws for life, um, when God's ways for human flourishing, when God's um, revelation of himself is followed, there God reigns. Right? Anytime someone makes a decision to do what God wants because of God, that's a place where God is reigning. Right? Where God's ways reign. It's a place where God's kingdom is. And so this really speaks to every area of life, doesn't it? I mean, if you think about it in that way, that God's kingdom comes, or God's kingdom is everywhere God's will is done, then in any place where you can do the will of God, God's kingdom is there. Right? I mean, this is why at Harbor we say that the gospel changes everything. The gospel speaks to everything because the truth of who God is, the saving work of Jesus right, has an impact on every area of life. And so when we pray on earth as it is in heaven, what that means is that everywhere on earth you can experience the presence of God. You can declare that he is in charge, that he is reigning over you in every area of life. Um, and so everywhere you go, and, and 
So it could be in relationships, in the family, at your workplace. Everywhere that you say, I want to do God's will, you bring God's kingdom. Now, God's kingdom um, has a feel to it. It has an ethos, right? Just like your office has a feel, right? There's a way that you feel every time you get to the office or every time you get to your workplace, right? There are families that kind of have a feel to them. Um, It's kind of an aura. Um, Your favorite coffee shop, right, has a feel to it. There's a way that you feel when you get there. And God's kingdom is the same way. Here's one verse that describes the way that God's kingdom is, sort of the realm and the culture of God's kingdom. This is Romans 5, 1 and 2. It says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. So when we talk about God's kingdom, this is what we're talking about. We're talking about a place where you can have peace with God. A place where you have access into grace. Grace is God's benevolent favor, his blessings, his kindness, his compassion, his understanding, his mercy, his power, his courage. Right? All these things. We have access into these things. And then rejoice in hope. Right? It's a place of hope. It's a place where we rejoice. This is how the kingdom of God feels. And so when we pray this, we're saying, God, we want more of that here. So God, your kingdom come. We want more of you here. Here. And so that's the kingdom of God. Now let's talk secondly about what does it mean to say your kingdom come? Right? God has a kingdom, and Jesus is telling us that if you want to pray, if you want to understand your mission in life, right, then you pray, your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. Okay, in this prayer, we actually want something to happen. We want something to happen. The kingdom of God, we want that to come. And so this prayer rehearses the problem that exists in the world. And the problem is that there's a separation between heaven and earth. Okay? That's how it starts, right? Our Father, boy, that's amazing that we can pray to God and call him Father. And yet, problem, he's in heaven. He's in heaven, and we're not. He's up there, we're down here. Up there, there's peace. Up there, there's access to grace. Up there, there's rejoicing. Up there is hope. And yet here on earth, there's a separation, right, that exists. Jesus is teaching us to pray that that separation would end. That heaven and earth would come together. Does that make sense? Right? We say, your kingdom come. We're saying, God, everything, the way it is up there, we want it down here. We want heaven and earth to become one. God's intention from the beginning of creation was that one day heaven and earth would be joined. And our sin has radically corrupted that plan. Right? And has caused an even greater separation that exists between us and God. And so your kingdom come says, 
God, please come and reign. God, come and reign. God, come be our king. That's what we're saying. There are other kingdoms in the world. God, we need you to come and be our king. Set us free. Set us free. In Jesus' day, um, it was the Roman oppression that the people wanted freedom from. It, it, was, it was false and hypocritical and, and evil religious leaders that the people wanted freedom from. Jesus said, you pray, pray to God that God would come and be your king. We pray for the same thing. God, come and defeat the evil that rules over us. Right? Come and defeat our sin. Set us free. Be our king. Free us from the streak in us that doesn't contribute to the peace of the world. Right? Free us from the part of our heart that is selfish. Free us from the part of our hearts that can't let go and needs to control other people. Free us from this incessant need that we have to deceive others so that they think better of us than we really are. Right? Fill in the blank, right? Free us, Jesus. Come and free us from our sin. And what's amazing is that Jesus did this. He taught his disciples to pray, your kingdom come, and then he accomplished it. Jesus came to make God's promises come true. Right? That's why he came. In fact, Matthew has been teaching us this, if you remember, since we begun. Right? From the beginning of the book of Matthew throughout, it's all about God's kingdom and King Jesus. Okay, what do I mean? Well, the first verse, right? The first verse of Matthew says, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David. Right? Who was David? He was the king. Right? So for Jesus to be the son of David means that he is in the line of the king. And we saw that way back in the beginning, that Jesus is God's king come to reign. Right? And then when Jesus began his ministry, chapter Matthew 4, verse 17, it says, From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. means the kingdom has come. Jesus says, okay, everybody, stop what you're doing. Stop what you're doing and follow me because God's kingdom has come to earth. God's kingdom is here. Right? And if you read through the rest of Matthew, you see that it really is, it has come. Jesus opposes evil in his life and in his ministry. He confronts false leadership. He supplants false leadership. He heals people from the effects of sin and brokenness. He brings healing and renewal to the world. Jesus did it in his life, but even more powerfully, Jesus reigns and brings the kingdom in his death and his resurrection. Right? His earthly ministry was kind of like a preview for what he was going to do in his life, um, he healed people, but they still died. In his life, he confronted false teachers and the false leadership. Um, but they still maintained their position. But in Jesus' death, 
he took on sin and all of its effects. On the cross, when Jesus died, he took your sin and mine, and he suffered the punishment that our sins deserved. And in his resurrection, in his resurrection, he overcame it all. In his resurrection, he declared, he didn't have to say anything, but by coming, by, by passing through death and into life, Jesus declared that he is the king over a kingdom that will never end. That Jesus' kingdom is more powerful than sin. It's more powerful than death. It's more powerful than the brokenness in this world. And so, in some ways, as Jesus taught his disciples to pray this, he was teaching them to pray for him to go to the cross. Because he knew that for God's kingdom to fully come, for God's people to be fully set free from their sins, he would have to pay. That he was going to have to die to overcome it. We see this in Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. Look at what it says. It says, through death, Jesus destroyed the one who has the power of death, that is, the devil, and to deliver all those who, through fear of death, were subject to lifelong slavery. So Jesus came to destroy the power of death and set people free, right? People who were enslaved to addictions, but not just addictions. People who are enslaved to ways of thinking and living that don't bring about joy and peace and righteousness. That part of you that doesn't want God to reign in your life. Jesus sets you free from that. So that you can live in the fullness of joy in the presence of God who knows you better than you know yourself. And yet you can stand in his presence blameless with great joy because you've been forgiven. Because God has set you free. So in his cross and resurrection, Jesus now reigns. He now reigns. His kingdom has come. And if people believe in him and follow him, his will is being done here on earth as it is in heaven. And from the time of his resurrection on, his kingdom, this kingdom, has been filling the world. It's been filling the world. And there's this beautiful depiction of this. C.S. Lewis describes it in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. In the book, The Land of Narnia, right? It's, it's been enslaved by the White Witch, right? This evil woman who serves herself. And, and, and Narnia is covered in a frozen winter. Right? And, and the phrase is, it's always winter, but never Christmas. Right? Which means that not only is it winter, but we're stuck in winter. Life isn't going anywhere. It's always winter, and it never ends. Right? How many of you feel that way? There are areas of my life where I have felt that way. Right, where you think, man, it's always winter and it's never, ever Christmas. I never see anything getting better. And so C.S. Lewis describes um, this scene where the white witch and her dwarf minion are traveling with Edmund through the cold. And this is what he says. 
says here, it says, Edmund noticed that the snow which splashed against him was much wetter than it had been all last night. At the same time, he noticed that he was feeling much less cold. A strange, sweet, rustling, chattering noise. And yet not so strange, for he knew he'd heard it before. If only he could remember where. Then all at once, he did remember. It was the noise of running water. All around them, still out of sight, where there were streams chattering, murmuring, bubbling, and his heart gave a great leap, though he hardly knew why, when he realized that the frost was over. And now the snow was really melting in earnest, and patches of green grass were beginning to appear in every direction. Unless you've looked upon the world of snow as long as Edmund has been looking at it, you will hardly be able to imagine what a relief those green patches were after the endless white. Then the fog presently cleared away altogether. Shafts of delicious sunlight struck down on the forest floor, and overhead you could see a blue sky between the treetops. Soon there were more wonderful things happening. Coming suddenly round a corner into a glade of silver birch trees, Edmund saw the ground covered in all directions with little yellow flowers, sendolines. Then came the sound even more delicious than the sound of the water. Close beside the path, they were following a bird. Close beside the path they were following, a bird suddenly chirped from the branch of a tree. And within five minutes, the whole wood was ringing with bird's music. And wherever Edmund's eyes turned, he saw birds alighting on branches or sailing overhead. And here's how the, uh, the scene ends. This is no thaw, said the dwarf, suddenly stopping. This is spring. What are we to do? Your winter has been destroyed, I tell you. This is Aslan's doing. This is Aslan's doing. The coming of Aslan brought the end of winter and the beginning of spring. Friends, this is how God's kingdom has come in Jesus. From the time of the resurrection until today, God's kingdom has been warming and filling the world. The influence of Jesus, the influence of grace and forgiveness, the influence of, a, of the promise of a fresh start, of a second chance and a third chance, of an eighth chance, the, the, the promise of power that comes from God so that things can be different has been growing in our world since the time Jesus rose from the dead. You look all over the world and you can see it. Christians, you have been warmed by the gospel. That spring has come about in your hearts and in your lives. You have felt the warmth of Aslan's coming. As Jesus has come into your life, his love warms you. You've been changed from the inside. For those of you who are here and you're not Christians, you have a chance to be warmed by the gospel. It's likely that you're here because you've been warmed by the influence of someone who is a Christian. Right? You want to know more. 
this is what it's like as the love of God begins to pour into your hearts, as you receive that love from God, his kingdom comes and it begins to warm you, begins to fill you and it spills out into your lives. God melts your heart and will fill you with the new life of spirit. And so to pray this prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, is to ask God to make this true in our world. God, let the winter end. Let the hardness of people's hearts end. Let forgiveness reign. Let reconciliation reign. Jesus, bring more of your spring. Bring more of your power, your goodness, your understanding, your healing, your renewal. This is what we pray for. When you pray your kingdom come, you're inviting Jesus himself to walk in your world. More of you here. Max Licato says this about this petition. He says, come my king. Take your throne in my land. Be present in my heart. Be present in my office. Come into my marriage. Be Lord of my family, my fears, my doubts. He says, this is no feeble request. It's a bold appeal to God to occupy every corner of your life. Have you ever prayed this before? That's what Jesus is encouraging us to pray. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. To pray this again, it makes you an ambassador. Right? This is your mission. Because the more you begin to pray this for the world, on earth as it is in heaven, the more you begin to realize, hey, what about me? Right? You can kind of hear God nudging you. Right? And say, okay, great, let's start with you. Like, well, Lord, I was hoping you were going to start with my wife. God's like, yeah, you know what, I, I am going to. I will get to her, but you know what, you need to show her what's possible. Right? Because you're with me here. Right? Let's, let's show her what's possible. Hey, God, I was hoping that you were going to work things out for my boss. Right? That my boss was going to change. Well, you know what? I want to bring my kingdom to your whole workplace. And I want you to be the ambassador for that. You're like, well, God, I don't have that kind of love. Okay, how about if I pour out my love into your heart? Well, God, I'm not that patient. All right, I understand. But you know what? Jesus was perfectly, you remember how patient Jesus was with the disciples? Right, well, how about if I give you his patience? Right, yeah, but Jesus, God says to us, look, I've given you every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Everything you need for life and godliness. You can have it. It's yours. Say, okay, God, your kingdom come. Your will be done in me as it is in heaven. And then let's look out. God says, bingo. 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 That's, that's how it works. That's how it works. 
Because God knows that it's when you experience his kingdom in your life. It's when you experience the fullness of who he is. That's when you actually have something to share. Right? When you can testify, like, this is what it looks like. I'm more patient now than I used to be. Um, I actually stop and try to make sure I understand before I just spiral into conflict. Right? When you can share that with somebody, and this is part of how the kingdom grows, you experience it, and then you share it. When it comes to God's kingdom coming into our hearts, we begin to think through, okay, well, what is God's will, right? Like, how do we know what God wants me to do? Like, what is his will? How do I do his will on earth as it is in heaven? Well, sometimes it's obvious, right? There are some things that simply just don't advance God's kingdom, right? Pornography doesn't advance the kingdom of God, right? So you want to know what God's will is? Cut out porn in your life. Stop and get help. Stop and get help. Right? embezzling, stealing from your company, not part of God's kingdom, right? So sometimes God's will is obvious. Like, we, we, we understand it, we get it. But sometimes not so obvious, right? And that's usually where we need more help, right? Which job should I take? What's God's will? God, your kingdom come, your will be done in my job as it is in heaven. Well, so which one should I take? Well, this can help, right? If you pray this, right? If you remember, your identity is that God, you're God's child. Your purpose is to worship and glorify him, right? So then you ask yourself the question, God, in which job will I be better able to glorify you? In which job will I have an opportunity um, to bring your kingdom more? Right, so with jobs, think about who shall I marry, right? Well, Will he or she help you to glorify God? Right? Can you line up your lives so that you're serving God together? Psalm 16, 8, verse 9 says this, I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad, and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. What an amazing vision for a life. Right? I've set the Lord always before me. I've remembered every morning this prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's a practical expression of how to set the Lord always before you. Because when that happens, there is such, uh, there's a peace. Because you know that when you're in his will, when you're on his path, there's a security that comes. Right? There's a confidence that comes. Right? It's when we wander off the path, when we know we're not right with God. Like that's where uncertainty comes. That's where doubt comes. That's where fear comes in. And so Jesus is just inviting us back to the path. 
Yes, God, we pray. We haven't gotten this far yet, but um, if you're not on that path, the path, I mean, the road back is through forgiveness. When Jesus says, my kingdom is here, the kingdom of God has come, he says, repent and believe in the gospel. What that means, that means that you don't have to do anything to earn the right to get back in God's good graces. You simply have to confess your sins and believe in Jesus. Right? Because he was the one who perfectly brought God's kingdom. He was the one who did God's will perfectly. And because of his perfection, your sins can be forgiven. So if you've wandered away from God, then just confess that and receive his forgiveness and come back. It's that simple. When we begin to pray this prayer, something pretty wonderful happens. This is our third point. We're going to end here. Your kingdom and binoculars. Your kingdom and binoculars. Um, there's a scholar named Daryl Johnson, and he says to pray this prayer is to participate in the invasion of heaven to earth. To pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, is to join and participate in the invasion of heaven to earth. Okay? And then N.T. Wright says this. He says, to pray this means seeing the world in binocular vision. Right? You've got binoculars. You ever taken a pair of binoculars, you put them up to your eyes, and you kind of have to squeeze them down, right? To get the, the... Well, look what he says. He says, it's to see it with the love of the creator for his spectacularly beautiful creation and to see it with the deep grief of the creator for the battered and battle-scarred state in which the world now finds itself. You've got these two lenses, right? You've got the love of the creator and then you have the deep grief of the creator. And he says, put those two together and bring it into focus, to bring the binocular picture into focus, the love and the grief Join in the Jesus shape, the kingdom shape, the shape of the cross. This, to pray this prayer means to bring the cross into our view of the world. Because at the cross, God says, I love the world and I am not abandoning it. And in the cross, God says, I love the world and I'm going to set it free. And so you have these two lenses, both the love of God and the grief of God. They come together and we see the cross. We see the cross of Jesus bringing these two realms together. I think that when we do that, when we do that, we bring our broken world together with the love of God and his two things come into focus. They begin to overlap, right? And it goes from being separate circles to being connected, right, as the two things come together, I think the overlap is a Christian on his or her knees praying, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Friends, pray this. Pray this. As you think about your life, 
pray this tomorrow morning. Pray this as you walk into your workplace. Pray this in your relationships. Pray this together in your community groups. And see the binocular vision as God's world begins to more and more fully impact your world. And you'll experience more of God here. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come. Your will be done in our the way your will is done in heaven. Your kingdom come and your will be done in our minds as it is in heaven. Lord, your kingdom come and your will be done here in our church, in our relationships, in our workplaces. Father, we want more of you here more of you here. Let every Christian here, Lord, feel more of the warmth of your spring. Melt our hearts, Lord, for the non-Christians who are here. Melt their hearts that they would see this spring, this glorious life that comes from you with joy and peace, hope, and security in your presence. Let them bow their knee to King Jesus and worship him. Father, show us this week your kingdom coming as we do your will and as we see your will done. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.